0: Hey, greetings, sports fans, Catholic Radio listeners. Steve Ferguson, along with our co-host, Brad Moore, and you're listening to Two Guys in a Conversation on 88.1 Catholic Radio. Brad, it was a pretty fun uh, 2019, especially uh, throughout the fall and when our show started last September. And before we came on the air today, you and I were going back and, and you were reminding me of how poor of a prognosticator I am in Big Ten football. <laughs> uh, as I picked Nebraska, uh, to be the sleeper and, and win the West. And as you said, uh, the West goes through Wisconsin, and I believe that take, statement has to be true and will always be true until proven otherwise.
1: Yeah, and the same with Ohio uh, State. So. And I think that's what uh, we, we talked about, that that until someone knocks off Wisconsin in the West and Ohio State in the East, uh, if I were to pick my favorites for next year, I'd stick with those same two teams. And you know the interesting
0: thing about Big Ten football? I think if you look at the NFL and you look at the NFL draft and why are there so many football players that are coming out of the Big Ten, uh, particularly in the areas of linebacker, tight end, and lineman, uh, it's because they're more NFL ready. I, I just think the physicality of the Big Ten is somewhat unmatched. I mean, we could talk about Southeast Conference, but I'm telling you, I think Big Ten football as is as tough as as we see and in the bowl games i think we noticed that even with wisconsin losing to oregon with all due respect wisconsin had four turnovers and oregon took advantage you know oregon was athletic but certainly it sure felt like wisconsin was the better team
1: yeah for sure i think uh wisconsin outgained them correct i didn't look at the final stats yeah. i didn't watch the entire game but just we go back to ki- killer turnovers or what cost wisconsin yeah. but I really feel like the Big Ten showed very well this bowl season. Had some great wins. Ohio State probably should have won that game again. A should turnover, have won that game. Turnover they yeah. didn't get a uh, few calls, but I, I think yeah. Minnesota, Ohio State. Um, you know, the one disappointment was maybe Michigan, but that was close for a while. Uh, I think yeah. the Big Big Tens looked great this bowl season.
0: Yeah, and I think it'll be uh, it'll be interesting um, how how Clemson stands up to LSU. I, I personally think that Ohio State would have been a better matchup for LSU. Now maybe I'm wrong, but uh, you know, and you you talked about this a lot. You talk about this a lot as has been being the coach and a participating coach of championship team when you're at Healen about how important culture is, and you don't you think that Dabo has got it going on down there at Clemson? I love his. I just love that guy's crazy enthusiasm, his belief in his players. He's telling that safety, "You're going to pick off a pass and, and win the game for us." After he gotten beat before, you know, and and he, you know, it came true. But there's a certain element to being a champion, and you win games that sometimes you're not supposed to win. If you look
1: through the rivals top 100 players, and you look at the amount of top players that are going to Clemson obviously Davo's got it going on down at Clemson because the best players
0: want to play there. Yeah. You know, there's something. They have fun, but they are intense. Um, It's just a cool, cool uh, culture. And I'm becoming more and more of a fan, uh, you know, when I listen to them. And it's infectious, you know, when you have someone with that much enthusiasm and that much passion. And I still think it comes back to that, you know, sometimes – Players certain players become better coaches than they were players and O'Dabo dabble was a walk-on at Alabama So he knows great culture great football, but uh, it's pretty cool to see him uh, Doing what he's doing at Clemson and like you said Brad it, it, When you're five stars and five stars It's tough to catch up to that uh, with like a program like Iowa to catch up to that level because you got to develop so many players
1: Yeah yeah, for sure. And that that quarterback at Clemson, he's a game changer. I mean, if you're a good program, the, the difference between being a very good program and winning a national championship is you just need that game changer. And anymore, because of the way the offenses are being run, uh, how sophisticated and wide open and fast paced they are, if you have a quarterback that's a difference maker um, th- then your chances of winning, getting to, and then winning a national championship go way up.
0: D- didn't you love his post-game uh, interview? Did you see it after the game? He's almost like he wanted that moment. It's almost like it's been too easy. It's like, all right, I want to prove to everybody, you know, that that we can stand up to this and we can make a 90-yard drive when we had to and make plays. And, and that guy is more athletic than – anybody appreciates you see him run away from that linebacker
1: yeah for a six uh, six guy he he scoots pretty good
0: yeah it was amazing I mean I, I couldn't believe it he's uh he's the real deal yeah so and he won that game with his leg versus uh versus throwing the football so, yeah uh, I,
1: I, he's I knew I knew at the end that uh you know you do not want to kick the ball back and give Trevor Lawrence a chance to win the game at the end you know he, he's just yeah. too great of a player for that he's a gamer and and like you said, uh, the great players, you know, they want and invite adversity. They want to be down. They want to make the game-winning shot or the the game-winning drive. And uh, be interesting to see how how long he sticks around Clemson because he certainly, if he were to, uh, what, what he's a sophomore is all, but you know, maybe one more year, he's got to be the number one
0: pick a year from now. I would think so. I, I, with his size uh, and toughness. But that's the thing I was impressed with too. Well, Clemson's won 29 straight games, I believe, which ties Morningside for the most wins in a row. I, I don't know if North Dakota State's right in that ballpark, they're very close. But uh, I, I find that fascinating, you know, that uh, Clemson's won 29 straight games. Although, Brad, they say the ACC is a pretty down conference. But uh, still, on the big stage, they're winning big games. Yeah, it doesn't really matter.
1: I mean, they're beating everyone on their schedule. They're beating average teams by a bunch. And when, when they get up against the greatest teams, they're still winning against the Ohio States and the Alabamas. And last year, national championship game, they beat Alabama by 25, 30 points. So
0: that's yeah,
1: they're, they're well-deserving that of, uh, of national championships and high, high rankings right now.
0: Well, speaking of Clemson Morningside, I don't know if uh, you happen to catch the Sugar Bowl, uh, in which uh, Jacob Kotzer, uh, middle linebacker, two-time uh, All Gpac linebacker, one of the co-captains for Steve Ryan's team this year, was named to the All-State Good Hands team, which represents um, student athletes across all divisions—Division One, Division Two, Division NAIA, and Division Three—and they're selected for their community service. Um, projects that they do that that are beyond football. And there's some pretty amazing, amazing stories with it. But what's really cool is that Jake got to hang out with Tim Tebow and they did a community service project with all these other athletes uh, in the the city of New Orleans. I don't know what it was, but uh, it was pretty cool to see Morningside represented for the fifth time since 2011. And here's an interesting stat which Division One programs have the most all-state Good Hands team uh, members? Clemson, or excuse me, Georgia, Nebraska, and Kentucky, which I wow. found very interesting. Uh, so that says a lot about the long-term culture of these places producing more than just uh, football players. Yeah. Uh, producing uh, little student athletes. The, the, the
1: Morningside alumni base, the Morningside administration, uh, the Morningside players, parents, fans, have got to be very proud of what Morningside is
0: accomplishing on and off the field these uh, these last yeah. several years. Yeah, they got it going on, that's for sure. Leadership begins, uh, everything starts with leadership and of course in the football program, Steve Ryan, Tim Yeager, the AD there has done a great job and, and of course President Reinders has kind of set the bar for everything at Morningside to be the best uh, that it can possibly be and uh, it, it shows. It's really uh, been fun to uh, to be around this year yep so well, steve brad, as we um, as we wrap up
1: section one uh i yeah. i think it's 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 somewhat uh fitting that uh we are in our 20th show um <laughs> in 2020.
0: hey isn't that cool and it, it's a great year for vision brad a great year for vision i i hope you Yeah, i hope
1: your your marketing department's busy uh
0: now know, they better be on top of that that's time, right. for sure Hey, we're going to catch everybody on the backside here of, uh, of this uh, Section 1 show on Two Guys in a Conversation, and uh, uh, we'll be back in just a minute. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Steve Ferguson along with our co-host, Brad Moore, and you're listening to Two Guys in a Conversation on uh, 88.1 Catholic Radio. and brad uh, once again happy new year and we're off and running um and as brad stated earlier we're in our 20th show and we're in the year 2020 and uh this part of our show is brad and steve's room of knowledge and brad through our first 20 shows we've been focusing on big 10 football and uh would you remind the listeners from our second show what who we kind of listed or maybe it was more me who we listed as our top top six Big Ten teams going into
1: the season. Yep, and I, I think I agreed with you. I think we put the six up there, and we talked about it before the show. And, and um, so here's how we had it. We we taped that first uh, or second show September 4th, I believe, second or third show. Uh, we picked Ohio State as our top mm-hmm. team, followed by Wisconsin, and then Michigan State, uh, Michigan, wow. Iowa, and Nebraska. And, and wow. the omissions from that list by us, uh, the misses of uh, Penn State and Minnesota. Oh, boy. that's uh, Those are
0: major misses. Major misses. Uh, we'll have to do a little better next year. I'm going to tell you, Brad, how I – and, again, normally what Brad and I do is we kind of talk and we kind of come up with a general agreement of our top six teams as we talk about it in this section of our show. But I'm going to give you my list, and then you can tell me your list, and we'll discuss it a little bit. All right. I, my final top six, number one, Ohio State. Without it doubt two Penn, With number two Penn State, number three Minnesota, number four Iowa, number five Wisconsin, and number six Michigan. I, I I'm, I'm sorry, Wisconsin's still pretty good, but I just bowl with bowl game. I had to flip it.
1: Yep. Well, I tell you, my list was identical to yours. I had Wisconsin, then Iowa. They had uh, Wisconsin number four, Iowa number five, Michigan number six. I can't
0: argue that. Yeah, yep. and
1: the only only reason I gave uh, Wisconsin a little nod over Iowa is that uh, Wisconsin beat Iowa, and and in the yep. bowl bowl game, you know you're talking about two different caliber teams. You, you know, Oregon right. I thought was a much better right. team than USC, so uh, I, I didn't do a deduct on Wisconsin for their for losing to Oregon in a in a really close one. So, but I, I agree, those two could be flipped yep. uh, either way. Iowa had a great season, Wisconsin had a great season, Michigan, um disappointed a little bit. I I thought that uh, uh the Shea Patterson, the quarterback, had a bad game. Um he, yeah. he overall had a bad season. I know he is battling yep. through some injuries, but I, I feel like uh if uh Shea Patterson would have had a better year, then I think Michigan would have been um, uh, you know, pushing Ohio State a little bit more. But yeah, I have mine almost identical to
0: yours. Well, there's two really good points you make. Number one, you're being way more objective than I am, because that's a great point on the the Wisconsin uh, listing. I'm just pulling my Hawkeye card on that one. Yeah, Um, don't blame you. Wisconsin had had a better opponent and actually should have won the game. But I wanted to talk about Shea Patterson as we talk about some of these Big Ten teams and why they sort of ended up the way they did. Shea Patterson, um, whether he's injured or not, uh, did not – he's not an accurate enough or consistently accurate enough thrower that Michigan needs um, in that offense, the way they're running it right now. And I don't know, maybe because he's hurt, Brad, they didn't use his his legs as much as maybe they could have on an RPO and that kind of thing. I just felt like that was missing. And, and, and there's so many big opportunities that they just didn't connect on.
1: Yeah. And if you watch that bowl game, Shea Patterson, every deep throw he was overthrowing his receivers. He's got great receivers. Yeah. I mean, there there's, some very, you know, skilled, dynamic uh, receivers there at Michigan. And, and he just wasn't giving them a chance to even catch the ball. You know, if he underthrows it, maybe, maybe they get to make an adjustment on the ball and they uh, use their athleticism and they make a catch. But he he was just throwing it too deep. Uh, I think he was around completion percentage, around 50%. He's not much better than that for the year. So uh, as Shea Patterson went, so so Michigan
0: went this year. The way the quarterback plays, and he played that way against Iowa too. He he was he he played came out early, looked really good, and then he he kind of struggled. Uh, he got he got hit pretty hard by AJ Epinez in that game, and afterwards he just kind of was off on his throws, and I think that had a little bit of an influence. But if we go top to bottom and, and really start with Ohio State and and look to their year, it's exactly what we expected. They could easily be playing in the title game, and then you look to next year, and and tally they're going to be tough. Brad, they got so many players coming back um and if chase young decides to come back which there's a there's an interesting trend going on right now where players that are of this elite level have not really come out and said they're going to the draft yet and i i find it fascinating there might be some sort of momentum thing going on uh with some of these players deciding they want to play another year i yeah. don't know why yeah i don't know. Why. But-
1: Fergie I think we lost you so we Fergie's calling in from the road.
0: Hey, I'm still on. Okay. That that's hey, good. I, you missed me for a minute. But that's good. But anyway, we're just talking about this interesting comp- on the on the draft and these players. But Ohio State's going to be there and so is Penn State next year, by the way. Brad, they're very young and They have a young quarterback. Uh Hamler, their their stud uh playmaker did declare for the NFL draft, so they're, they're going to miss him. Um, and, you know what, Minnesota's going to be pretty tough again next year. They're bringing back a lot of people. And if you look at the formula for Minnesota and the formula for Nebraska, I think they need to be like Minnesota. How did P.J. Fleck get Minnesota be so darn good so fast? Yeah, It was yeah. in his line play, Brad. His yeah. interior so, line play was so, so good. They dominated Auburn.
1: That, you know, that comes from Tom Osborne at, at Nebraska to Wisconsin by way of Barry Alvarez, Barry Alvarez became Nebraska. And and Barry Barry Alvarez beat Nebraska, being Nebraska, Minnesota and Iowa borrowed a little bit from that, but definitely Minnesota is trying to become more Wisconsin-like, as is Nebraska trying to become a little bit more Wisconsin-like. So talking about players that could potentially go early, what about Iowa's top two? I just saw in the draft, uh, analysis that uh, uh, the lineman, um, is it uh,
0: worse? Yeah,
1: worse. Yeah. Um, and then also Espineza. Um, h- how are those guys? You, are, are they going to stick around or are they going pro? W- what's well, your calling? on the that?
0: the funny thing is you would immediately assume that that uh, Espineza is going to go pro. Uh, he's a, been consistently at top 15 and, and now worse both in that discussion. But the odd thing about it is Epinez is a very unique personality, and I'm telling you, Brad, not that I'm trying to w- wish this upon my, you know, we obviously would like to see him come back, but uh, you'd hate for those people to get hurt and lose out on a, an opportunity of a lifetime, but it wouldn't shock me if either one or both of those kids came back. They've just been the conversations they have with the media, um, and maybe maybe Coach Ferentz will tell them they got to go. But uh, I don't know yet. I, I I I obviously think they're going, but it wouldn't surprise me if they came back, which would be like the best five-star recruiting thing that Iowa could ever have to have those two guys come back. Right.
1: Well, I, I so from what I saw, they're saying that A.J. is a, a surefire top ten pick. So for him not to go, man, he's got to have a pretty compelling reason to come back. Uh, I, I, w- I would say he has to go for that kind of money and the other yeah. guy uh, works, I, he's got to go, too. If he's going to be top 15 for an off- offensive tackle, know. you know, maybe you could argue he comes back because if he did come back, stays healthy, he will be the first lineman drafted next year. So I could see yeah. maybe him coming back, but, boy, AJ's is just, uh, in my opinion, you're offered that kind of money. You you have to go.
0: You know, and the, the final note on, on Nate Danley is, uh, gal darn it, it seemed like, after they lost that Wisconsin game, he just relaxed, and and he wasn't like spectacular against Nebraska, but he was so good when he had to be. Right. He played great in that bowl game. He played great in that bowl game, right Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. that's how that's how he does it. Is he doesn't uh, make mistakes, and and he keeps them in the game. And when they finally give him his opportunity, he usually responds very well at the end of the game.
0: Yeah. Well, shoot, that went. We were talking Big Ten football. We have been talking about this for hours, uh, you and I. But uh, uh, that's it for the Room of Knowledge. And uh, we'll uh, wrap up our show here uh, in just uh, a couple minutes after the break. Welcome back, everybody, to you guys in a conversation. This is Steve Ferguson along with our co-host, Brad Moore. We're coming to you from the uh, from different parts of the country, but uh, our little studio at uh, Sterling Computer uh, Campus in uh, City. And uh, once again, we'd like to uh, thank uh, Brad, your team, and and some of your staff members for helping us uh, all through the first 20 shows. Uh, get this thing recorded and sent off to Catholic Radio so they can. Uh, Uh, play it by friday evening and uh, certainly appreciate everybody's flexibility once again in this project
1: yeah well it's still it's an experimentation here we're still uh messing around with equipment uh as much as you and i are on the road we're we're trying to to get it so that we can uh dial in from the road and and still hear each other and you know when you're on a cell phone that's not perfect so i appreciate the listeners bearing with us as we uh you know, as we learn, as we go. So we're we're in episode twenty, yeah. and, and I think episode fifty will be uh, much better than episode twenty.
0: Yeah, we're probably not going to win any awards for the quality of the presentation. Yet. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know about content either, but you know, we're we're, we're certainly having fun. Hey, uh, I wanted wanted to just uh, shout out a couple things. A uh, morningside football. We talked a little bit about Jacob Kotzer and his. Uh, really neat uh, award that he won, but uh, two other Morningside football players were named finalists for the uh, top defensive player in the country uh, that was not Division I. It's called the Cliff Harris Award. I don't know if you remember Cliff Harris. He was a safety for the Cowboys, and uh, he developed this award to recognize players in the small colleges that were uh, at the elite level, and Clayton Nordine, the strong safety All-American uh, for Morningside, and, and Joel Kotz, your All-American linebacker, were named finalists for that award. So Morningside, I had two uh, that were in strong consideration for that award. So congratulations to those two guys. And uh, there's probably going to be some more postseason awards come along uh, for Coach Ryan and, and the rest of his team, but uh, that was a neat deal. So, Brad, we, uh, we kind of wandered through the Big Ten uh, football, and uh, now let's talk a little bit about the, the college football landscape and, and the playoffs. What do you think about four teams versus eight teams?
1: You know, so my only problem—I like eight, of course. I like eight. I—I I, I mean, the NCAA football has has been slowly trying to come around, like every other sport, every other championship, where it's uh, more inclusive, and, and they're not there yet. They, you know, it's it's uh, it's four four teams. Um, so I want it to be eight teams, but uh, you gotta you gotta take into consideration the the brutal, grueling schedule of college football, and what would it no. do to extend the schedule? So I think it's it's got to be uh, worked in a way where you're not having these teams play fifteen, sixteen. They they cannot play a pro pro schedule, in my opinion. Right. So so right. in order to well, do they, that, they, I I read uh, something today. Uh, that was very interesting. Somebody proposed uh, where you'd have the the Power Five, the Big Five uh, conference champions. You would have one at large from the uh, from the group of five, the next five largest conferences. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you're you're at six, and then two at large, which would include Notre Dame if if they qualified in the top eight. What they're trying to yeah. avoid is they're trying to avoid. Uh, you know, the runner-ups in the conference. You don't want Ohio State to beat Wisconsin and then turn around and have to play Wisconsin again. So um, I thought that was a great idea. And the other idea he had is that, uh, you know, you go ahead and you do that early. You do it the week after the conference championships, and then if the uh, – and you wait uh, to announce the bowls a week later so that the, the first-round losers – so you're not diluting the Bulls too much – uh, if you lose in the first round then you're eligible to go on and go to a bowl game a little bit better uh, later in the year so i thought that was that was a pretty good plan but i would like to see it go to eight eight teams for sure
0: i really like those comments and those thoughts i think there's some there's a lot of good to it i think the argument's going to come from some of the old school people about you know, what's best for the student athlete but you know anymore these guys are they're in such a unique situation when they're playing a big time division one football and and uh, it's their bodies you worry about and the physicality of it, like you said. Um, and, and so if they can come up with the right balance there, if there is such a thing, um, you know, I, I watched Morningside play, what, 15 games this year. And it's certainly not the level of physicality, but it's still physical. And it, it takes a toll on, uh, on those guys. And uh, it's pretty amazing that they're able to maintain some balance of classroom. And, uh, and, and, and be doing well on the, uh, on the athletic field.
1: Yeah. And so I don't know, you know, potentially if if the season's going to stretch out or if if that's a concern, I, I know that the, the red shirt um, rule where you can play four games before your red shirt shirt, that's uh-huh. very helpful. Maybe they extend yep. that a game. Maybe it's five um, w- which th- that would help with numbers. And um, yeah, you know, I would like to see it happen. And I know there's a lot of, a lot of, conference commissioners and people out there that that are pretty knowledgeable about the subject i think it's inevitable it's going to happen so it'll be interesting to see how they put it together
0: yeah i i think it's going to happen there's too much pressure from the other conferences because it's primarily been you know southeastern conference focused uh, so much and uh, just broadens out the uh, opportunities it's kind of like you know in, in high school sports they they expand the, the number of classes and expand the number of opportunities for student athletes to potentially play in the state tournament because it's such a unique experience and it's so valuable for everybody involved yeah so, uh, yeah, so I agree I, with,
1: I mean, you know I think you look at if you're if you're not in, if you're not a, a top independent and if you're not in the Power 5 conference or the Group of 5 conference and you don't really have a chance to get into the playoff then maybe you yeah. ought to maybe you ought to look at moving moving down a level and maybe playing in that uh, that next division.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. That's a really really good point. Well, you know, as we uh, get ready to kind of wrap up our show tonight, you know, we got Big Ten basketball now, and uh, uh, we didn't talk much about local sports because it's it's been the break, and so nothing's been happening on the high school scene in in in, in Siouxland, um, and then the colleges have, have played a little bit of some holiday. Uh, games, but uh, we'll catch back up with with Briarcliff and Morningside as we get into January. But big 10 basketball, um, and of course we're focused on that. As I'm a Hawkeye and you're a Husker, and it's going to be brutal. It's going to be there's no games off. I mean, look what the Huskers did to Purdue, Brad.
1: Yeah, so the Huskers been real up and down. They can be dangerous at times. Uh, you know, played Indiana in overtime on the road, beat Purdue. They didn't match up at all against Purdue with their seven-footers, but, uh, you know, they just got hot at the right time. So you've got the entire conference, Michigan State, the only undefeated 2-0 and team. Uh, Northwestern, I think, is 0-2. Everyone else in the whole conference, 1-1. and So it's uh, yeah. it's anybody's game right now. And then if you go down about halfway down the conference, about eight, nine teams, you've got uh, Rutgers and Illinois overall at 9-3. and So – You know, the the, the top end of that conference is really good right now.
0: Well, going into the season, no one even had much. They didn't say that there was going to be much uh, parity in the conference. They just thought it was going to be super top-heavy with Michigan State and Maryland and maybe Ohio State. And then, you know, Michigan jumped out early. and, And all the other teams are just better. Penn State. Penn State's going to be tough. Yeah, I think they might even be ranked in the top twenty-five right
1: now. Uh, they're eleven and two, and you know, not yeah. historically known for being a great basketball program. Right. But uh, good year for them. Iowa's off to a ten and three start, very solid. They're looking yeah. good. Um, Ohio State leading the conference, eleven and one, uh, as far as the best record in the conference, ranked very high. Yeah. Maryland, <laughs> Maryland's going to be good. So even if you go down to the bottom end, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Nebraska. Um, they're going to beat some teams. So I think there's a, a lot of parity in the conference this year. Yeah.
0: I mean, I I truly as an Iowa basketball fan enjoying watching the Hawkeyes play more this year. And I don't know if it's the adversity, but I think it's the way they play. They're just Brett, in my opinion, they're playing harder. They're just playing with more passion. They're defending better than they ever have. Uh they're just physical and tough and they and they just they seem to be having a lot of fun the way they're playing. So I'm enjoying it as a fan.
1: Yeah, that's like uh, Nebraska end of the year last year in the Big Ten tournament through all their adversity oh, and playing some people that didn't normally play. And Iowa's had a little bit of adversity now and, and uh, lost Bohannon. Um, so they'll find their way. And I think you're right. I think you nailed it is when when you have a little adversity like that and a change in the lineup, then all of a sudden kids are, are more – there's more clarity around their role um the, mm-hmm. the star players have to be the star players now and uh everyone's effort goes up a little bit and it does get it's contagious and it's exciting
0: it was a blast being at the big 10 tournament last year watching nebraska with you it was i became such a huge fan of nebraska in the tournament and and that's what it's all about and uh so we'll see what happens uh as as this uh, january progresses and 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 who's going to kind of shake out in the league but it, it's certainly going to be a lot of fun um well brad i think we're running out of time our producers saying cut it off um so that uh, they can get to the other uh part of the broadcasting on catholic radio so let's call it a show
1: that sounds and, good uh,
0: we'll, we'll catch everybody next next week on two guys in a conversation